Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geeling. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 93rd official episode. We're back after our interview with Jake Fisher. We have a bunch of stuff to talk about in the NBA, the first of which is the absolute collapse of the 76ers and the future implications of that with regard to a potential Ben Simmons trade. Yeah, I... And you say absolute collapse, and that makes it sounds like sound like it was the Mavericks who went up 2-0 in the Clippers, and then the Clippers uh, the came Atlanta, back. Atlanta Hawks. You always confuse those two teams, the Atlanta Hawks. No, no, no. I'm saying when you say absolute collapse of the 76ers, it makes it sound like they were, like, like the Hawks won game one, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh, okay, so a, yes, The 76ers yes. collapsed within games, not within the series, if that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Whereas the 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 Clippers got or were started down 0-2 to the Mavericks, and the Mavericks total collapse to let the Clippers come back. That was yes. my, I guess, what I'm saying. But you're right that within fourth quarters of the game, and what our real topic is today is that like the 76ers started sliding in fourth quarters where they just couldn't get a basket. Ben Simmons refused to shoot. Joel Embiid would suddenly, after having you know like a 35 point first three quarters, just like not be able to score in the last five minutes of the game. Yeah. Like, it would basically just be, like, Seth Curry by himself, you know? And Seth so, Curry, on ball, by the way, not yeah, even off ball. Yeah. It, would, it would just be someone run up, uh, and, set a screen for him, and then he takes a three. Which is, like, a really broken version of what his brother does, but his brother's MVP. One person that I don't think is getting enough hate in all of this is also Tobias Harris. Because we're about to spend a lot of time talking about Ben Simmons, but Tobias Harris was also equally non... Maybe not equally, but but was also very, like, non-show-up-y... Uh, in the in the like like in the fourth quarters of this game, and and he he had a couple plays where like he had like where he like took it to the basket for a layup and whatever. But you would think that for a team that that's that's clear weakness is their lack of perimeter shot creating that they would go to Tobias Harris a little bit more down the stretch. Um, I think he averaged like twenty two this season or something like that. Like yeah. where was he in the fourth quarters? Yeah. But the real question here that we're that we're talking about, and because obviously like we could spend all day talking about all the series, but we really want to get to. Kind of, I mean, we're a little bit late to talk about this series, so let's let's talk about instead. Does Ben Simmons have to be traded? I I believe this is very unpopular, but I truly believe that no, I, yeah. I, I don't think so because Stephen A is going to go up on on ESPN. He's already done. It, I've seen the clips, and he's going to be like, not not he's not going to go into the um the way the the play style of Ben Simmons does not mold well with the play style of Joel Embiid. Uh, they are both inside players, and he can't create for himself. He's going to go up there and say he's lost the city of Philadelphia. That does not matter. The fact that like the fans don't like Ben Simmons. I disagree. That that does not matter. Like in 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 terms of Daryl Morey, who's just like you know analytics guy, gonna make the best move. Um, I don't no, think. But, but, I, don't, I don't think that that really matters. But I think I there think, are, there, I are, think... there are bigger fish to fry than uh, the fans are mad at him. Because the fans have been mad at loads of people in the past. Yeah, but but I, I agree with what you're saying, like, in a vacuum, right? Because, like, in theory, you just want to win a championship, and that's all that matters. But at the end of the day, the the NBA is entertainment, and it's a business. Like, if your fans don't like your second-best player, that's not so good for for, uh, for income. Now, not that the 76ers are going to have gonna have trouble like, selling tickets anyway, but I also think that in Philadelphia, Philadelphia fans in general are notoriously harsh. I just so basically want to say that. So like, if there's any city, I I think there could be a rift here in that 76ers fans are pissed at Ben Simmons right now, and they are talking so much smack on every social media platform. They're the loudest ones. 
that is going to stick with Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons isn't going to. So so it goes both okay, ways. Play, the same way play that playoff P, bro. He, Playoff P. He didn't get traded, and then it's not a big deal if he but, comes but back. It was, but it was but it was NBA fans making fun of of Paul George more than his own like Clippers fans. Whereas in this case, I think that the Lattice fans are some are, are are the Philly fans. Philly fans were booing the 76ers at home they threw, during that they, series. They threw so that's what on I'm the floor that's what I'm end. saying is like that's the kind of thing like if you're Ben Simmons, you don't forget that, and probably you don't want to be back in Philly next. There's a chance you don't want to be back in Philly next year. I guess what I'm saying, but I think more importantly than losing the fans is that he appears to have lost some of his teammates and his coaches' belief and support. And now we we, we don't the really what matters is what Daryl Morey thinks. I guess at the end of the day, but the two quotes I'm going to point out were were one, somebody asked Doc Rivers, can Ben Simmons be a championship point guard? And he said, I don't know. And now at face value, I guess that kind of sounds worse than the actual clip makes it seem. Because then he goes on to yeah. say, I don't know, like three more times. And it, and it kind of seems like he's more like, he's, like there's a lot going yeah, on. Like, yeah, I feel like moment, he's just but, frustrated and defensive and tired. And there's like, I don't know, like I think though, like, all this stuff. Like we just lost a playoff game. Let's talk about that. But yeah, but but if I think if you have a franchise cornerstone and somebody's asking you, is this guy still a championship? Like in a normal situation, your coach would be like, Yes, this year didn't work out for us, but I absolutely believe he can still be the point guard on a championship team. And Doc Rivers didn't give that answer, which is, I think, a little bit noteworthy because these guys are are trained or have practiced dealing with the media. The other thing, though, that I think is almost, you know, it's equally as important is, is, is Joel Embiid, when asked what sort of the turning point of the game was, he said, we had an open shot and we ended up with one made free throw. And that was the point, well, that was the part where, Ben Simmons drove to the basket. No, he had a no, wide no, open righty no, layup, no, 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 dumped it to Matisse Thibel, who bro, got fouled. Hey, bro, in the everyone's jacking that. Did, did you see the actual interview clip? No, I just okay. saw the, I saw if, the quote. Yeah, this is this is pissing me off. The actual interview clip, Joel Embiid, when he says like, "What was the turn? What was the turning point of the game?" Because he he, he interrupts himself to say like, "I don't know how to explain this." Okay, but still okay. like so. No, he says, "I don't know how to explain this," which actually like looks 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 worse because he he chose his words deliberately mm-hmm. but he says uh we we had an open shot we didn't take it and we got one point instead of two and then he he lists the three following possessions right after that so he he narrates the entire like two minutes yeah he he, he goes from like four minutes left in the game to two minutes left in the game when the when the when the hawks came back so so is in they cut the quote short and they, they didn't yeah, do the full context. Yes, yeah. yes. He listed four plays that happened. Yeah. The, the the first one was the Ben Simmons one. But he listed four plays. He said he said, like, we come down, we got one point instead of two. They come back, we couldn't stop Trey Young, they they got a three. Then we come down, we force a tough like mid range I forget the actual quote, but it's like we force a tough mid range shot, not a good shot, then we come down and then they co- they score again. That was the entire quote, and people yeah. are blowing that single thing out of proportion because they want a headline. That's my opinion. The reason why I don't think that the Philadelphia Sixers should trade Ben Simmons is because the value is too low. I'm very yeah, open. This to, is, this is the only argument yes, I think in my opinion. I'm, I'm very open to trading Ben Simmons because the, I think the best reason is that him and Joel Embiid don't really mesh well together. Um, they need they need more of a like even like a Chris Middleton because Tobias Harris is just the worst version of like a Chris Middleton where Chris Middleton he works with Giannis because Giannis is inside sometimes Giannis can't create his own shot Chris Middleton can hit shots on the perimeter and mid-range Ben Simmons can't do any of that we like you could get some you get something like that but 
Daryl Morey is far too smart and far too much of a businessman to sell when your asset in Ben Simmons is at Are you saying all-time you think that low. You could get somebody of Chris Middleton's caliber for Ben Simmons right I, now? I was just using his, him I don't, as an Yeah, because I don't think you could. I think that's that, how far his that, trade that, that's is. Why, that's why I don't think yeah. you should trade Ben Simmons because his value is way too low. What I think is actually going to happen what, and what should happen is you wait on Ben Simmons – I believe he actually is going to work somewhat on his skills this offseason. He's skipping the Olympics for Australia yeah. when he's their when he's their only good player, the pride of Australia. He's skipping that. What? To, to, in, in Don't fa- disrespect. That's okay. Really some, so other okay, but players, he's, but yeah, he's still, I, I he's still their best yeah. player. Um, he uh, he's in he he said I'm not going to play in the Olympics because I want to work on my skill work mm-hmm. shooting in particular. I think he's going to come back next year, and we see like. You know how like Giannis this year and last year, like he he at least can attempt a mid range now. You're not yeah. really happy with it, but at least like it's it's passable. I think that's what's gonna be Ben Simmons no. next year. I think he's gonna come back. He's gonna be a, like a fringe all star like he was in the regular season. People didn't really have a problem with Ben Simmons in the regular season. I think he's gonna be that. Trade value is gonna be high, and they're gonna trade him at the deadline for someone who who's more of a perimeter threat. I think that's what can and should happen. Yeah, but uh, I I see what you're saying, but. I disagree that like like I, I guess here's the thing is the entire reason not to trade Ben Simmons I guess is that like oh he could still I, your your kind of argument is like oh he could still progress or he could impress in the first half of next season those are the two arguments that you're making um, first he's had with the, what's this going to be his 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 like fourth season in the this, this ne- the next season will be like his fourth in the NBA and I don't think he played his rookie season so he's played like two or three full seasons at this point he hasn't gotten any better really since he came to the league. That's so the, the counter argument is you're like okay he'll, he'll work on his skill work whatever his jump shot is worse today than it was in the summer league when before he played his first game like I I'm sure a lot of you have seen there was there was this clip that was going around Instagram of him like knocking down like th- like mid ranges from just inside the three point line like off the dribble like moving like like basically hitting like fl- uh, um leaners like inside like just inside the three point arc. Um, I think that the issue with Ben Simmons right now is less so that he needs to go do skill work and more so that he needs to get his confidence back. Because it seems to me like he's not just incapable of taking jumpers, but he is scared out of his mind to take jumpers. And that's why I guess I think the the Philly fan thing is is particularly harmful to a guy that who his real problem seems to be confidence, not um not the ability, because we've seen him I guess hit them before, like, although like not really in NBA games. Um, interesting that he's, I mean, it's sort of reminiscent of Markel Fultz in a way. Like this is now twice that they've had guys that you would like hoop could put together a little like jump shot or something. Guards that um, seem to have sort of like lost their mojo since arriving at the Sixers out of college. Maybe that's some consp- conspiracy theory stuff because of course Joel Embiid has could not have panned out better, right? And so so it's not a problem with their it's not a universal problem with their development, a player development, but um, but that's twice now that they've had guards who have sort of lost their their confidence. So I guess I think that if you're relying on Ben Simmons' progression, he's had a few chances now to get better during the offseason. I don't think he has yet. And so I get what you're saying about he's not playing the Olympics, but like Shouldn't he have been working on his skills every offseason? Isn't that what you would expect him to say that he's going to go work on his skills? Yeah. So I think that's like, like I think that's like non-statement. Like all he, until he proves us wrong, until he proves NBA fans wrong, that means nothing to me. I mean, I don't know. I think there's a little extra motivation in knowing that like the entire world, it, 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 at the very least, thinks you are not that good. 
if not hates you, you know? Hmm. And like, you know, like him seeing himself on ESPN, like that, that, that doesn't like him seeing himself on ESPN. A lot of the ESPN is BS, but a lot of BS can get guys angry, and angry is yeah. motivation, you know. And and in terms of the in terms of the his trade value has reached an all time low point that you made, very true. I I, like, re- I really don't think that they would trade. I don't think that they would lowball Ben Simmons. I really don't. But at this point, uh, here's the other thing: is is uh, so 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 if you're expecting him to to impress in the first half of next season, like. Everybody knows he's a great defender. That he's a he's an all defensive first team caliber player. All that matters now is what he shows on offense. And I don't expect him to make an offensive jump before next season. So him going out and um, being fine in transition, averaging 15 points per game and like seven assists or whatever he did, doing exactly what he did this year, that doesn't impress anybody. At this point, what's going to change the narrative is what he does in the playoffs. And, and you know. Until he sort of breaks the stigma that like you can just drop to the free throw line and just not guard him, and he's a zero on offense in the playoffs, I don't think that he what he does during the regular season matters all that much. Um, yeah, you just fact check fourteen and seven, right? Is what, is what it says. Yeah, he averaged fourteen seven and seven. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess my point is, if he comes out next year and averages fourteen seven and seven, I don't think that raises his trade value. By the way, he was an all star this year. Yeah. Like. Like for for anybody acting like like Ben Simmons is like you know dog trash like you're wrong like Ben Simmons is still a very good player and he's still a very young player he's still got potential but uh but the offense the offensive stuff is scary the thing is Ben Simmons still deserves to be an All Star game because he's legitimately one of the best defenders in the NBA the I guess the the point here is though that like if you've got if you've here, here's the other thing that I think makes the that it makes that it makes trading Ben Simmons a little bit confusing is the the because we, we've been having this sort of debate as NBA fans for a few years now of like who would you build around Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons? One of the arguments about for building around Ben Simmons, and I think that by the way that argument is gone now. Totally. Um, because Joel Embiid is second was second in MVP voting, and and you know Ben Simmons was nothing but a disappointment in the playoffs. Um, is that you would probably rather build around a point guard or a playmaker or a perimeter-oriented player. Not sure you can even call Ben Simmons that, but but a guy who's <laughs> yeah, you cannot actually. But a guy who's like you know, you know starting the position of the perimeter at least, <laughs> than than a center, right? So that that's that's part of the argument is like, if you're Joel Embiid, you need somebody to get Joel Embiid the ball. He's not the guy who's going to be taking a step back three at the end of the game. He can create a lot for you in offense and for defense, but down the stretch. The same way we're seeing that the Bucks in the last five minutes of the game, the Bucks don't go to Giannis. They go to Chris Middleton. They go to Drew Holiday. The same thing is kind of true for Joel Embiid. It's, it becomes a lot harder to like feed him in the post. They start having to go to Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, like Furk on Cork. Like like they, they have yeah. to start getting creative, right? And so the problem is they don't have anybody else, whereas the Bucks do. Um, so if the if the argument is like, well, you'd, you'd rather build around a point guard than a center. Then you and you're building around a center now. Well, Joel Embiid's got the defense. Forget about like we've seen with the with the with the Jazz. Like just having Rudy Gobert consistently makes them one of the best defenses in the NBA. The same thing will be true about the 76ers. Forget about having Ben Simmons on defense because as good as he is, you still got Matisse Thybulle, who's a very good defender, right? Like. Yeah. 
like that's not to say that I don't like value Ben Simmons' defense, but when you have when you have Joel Embiid in the floor, I would say that the most important thing is no longer your defense, and you just got to get him shot creators, um, which is why I think that they might undersell on Ben Simmons as a player because his value to the 76ers is less than his value around the league, if that makes sense. I hope that other GMs agree, but I yeah. think I think it's going to be so easy to leverage that in the offseason, and I don't think a good deal will be on the table, because why would it be? Yeah, you know? and, and then the sort of the two last things I want to highlight, because in case you haven't noticed, like you're basically arguing against the Ben Simmons trade. I'm kind of arguing for it. So the first is like the, the real the real like direct catalyst is that this this round two loss was really disappointing. Before the before the playoffs started, we the two of us said that the 76ers path to the Eastern Conference Finals was basically free. That they should uh, really? they should walk through the the Wizards and then they should walk through the, the either the they, Knicks or the Hawks. There were 16 teams in the playoffs. Yeah, more more. There were like including the play the play-ins. There were 20 teams in the playoffs. They had the easiest route in. Yeah. To the conference finals. To the conference finals. Because they yeah. played an eight seed and then they played probably. Yeah, and they played the worst four, like one through four seed. And and call that underestimating the Hawks if you want to. The 76ers. I think it's fair. The 76ers are the better team. The Hawks played the better series. Yeah. The 76ers are straight up the better, more talented team. And, and yeah. the Hawks. A lot of credit. They deserve a lot of credit. They exactly. played really well, but they I, are the worst team. Yeah, but I I, I do dislike because after the the Bucks beat the Nets, you mm-hmm. saw a lot of the media coverage being like, oh, the Nets lost rather than oh, the Bucks won. Um, and we're kind of doing the same thing right now. We're talking all yep. oh, the 76ers lost rather than oh, the Hawks won. Um, the Hawks have been amazing. Trey Young has arrived. Yeah. Um, and I I feel. Oh, we can get into a whole other thing, but we're not going to do that right now. I'm like yeah. kind of pro Trey Young as a person, even though he torched our Knicks and he still <laughs> and he still hates them. Um, I actually owned a Trey Young shirt, yeah, uh, pre pre the series, um, and I wore it out by accident to like the store, and I got like two funny looks, and then I was like, "What's going on?" And then I was like, "Oh god." Yeah, you realized. Yeah. 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 The the other thing I wanted to hit on is basically just the reason I think it's come to a Ben Simmons trade is that the 76ers have exhausted all other options. They traded for Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, and Al Horford. None of those guys, except for, you know, no, Tobias Harris is still on the team right now. Who who knows? Maybe he's gone too this offseason. He but, really should be gone. But he's but j- now, so now both Jimmy Butler and Al Horford are gone. Um, they fired Elton Brand for Daryl Morey, or maybe they didn't fire him, but but Daryl Morey has taken over the, the like number one decision making spot. Um, and Brett Brown was fired for Doc Rivers, um, and then Embiid is second in the MVP race. Like if there was any thought that you could ever trade Joel Embiid, that's gone. And with him playing the best basketball of his career thus far, the clock is ticking. It's time to go all in and capitalize on the level that he's playing at because at the moment he is one of the best players in the NBA. Those don't come around very often. Shout out to Luke Jovanovich, who wrote a fire article in our high school for, uh, like, torching Ben Simmons. It's very awful. Mm-hmm. But anyways, going on to the news that Zion and his family are not happy with the New Orleans Pelicans. Primarily Zion's family, but, you know, they probably are in his inner circle. They probably surround him every day, whisper things in his ear. Uh-huh. That's how the NBA works. It's like Gossip Girl. I guess I want to bring up, like, 
this has happened before that we've had like yeah. a player's family become involved and it always adds a weird dynamic and it seems like it's a precursor to the player requesting a trade out is you hear rumblings that their family isn't happy um it happened with Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio yeah. when 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 he was having that thing with his quad uh where he just kind of like missed the whole season and like it seems like he actually did have some have an injury going on but maybe it was like prolonged or exaggerated for the purposes of like forcing his way out there were rumblings that like his brother or his uncle or somebody didn't want him to be in san antonio um the same thing happened with anthony davis i'm pretty sure uh i don't know if that was in new orleans but like you, you remember his dad said like he didn't want him to go to boston because of the way they treated uh isaiah, isaiah thomas, thomas yeah. like and then of course there's the ball brothers like that's that's the obvious example but the there tends to be a lot more drama and confusion surrounding players and they get moved more often when their family gets involved. And so it's a little bit uh, concerning, especially for Pel- for the Pelicans, that, that Zion Williamson's family now is being reported as wanting him out of New Orleans because I see that as not the end-all be-all, but like a precursor to him saying, get me out of here. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre. Like We've never really seen a guy on his rookie contract more or less, not even, like, he's only played two years. He's played 85 games. That's three more than a normal NBA season. <laughs> Dude, yeah. And so it's, to, it's two seasons, to, but it's not two full seasons. To force someone's yeah. hand after 85 games is beyond, a, is, is, su- is super unusual. Usually, the, the fir- like, for the first time we would ever see players request rate is, like, five years in six years into that. well so so let's tenure. talk about is that a problem for the nba that you now have guys this young wanting out if it's a, if it's a trend if absolutely a trend. that's really bad yeah but i don't i don't think that will be the a future thing one I, I think zion williamson's a unique prospect he's a unique prospect and also we are in a very unique time of 23 year olds are running the league right now you like you have like Luca and Jason Tatum and Devin. Do you have Devin Booker in the conference? Yeah. Finals? Like you have so many people. You, I want. I like, want to get to like that in a De- second. Devin Booker and Trey Young are are in the conference finals and they're mm-hmm. like twenty three, right? And so I guess Zion. Or I I guess that that kind of empowers players like Zion, but I think that that is almost unique. I don't think that that's usually the case. And and even then, you you see like moderate versions of that, like Luka Doncic. He's also just twenty three, and he basically got um, a very well renowned coach in Rick Carlisle fired this this past well, week. Rick Carlisle left, so it's no no clear, oh, like... no no. It, it, he left because there was tension with Luka Doncic. I I yeah I didn't see that, but that's definitely that's definitely possible. I believe you. But yeah, like but but he left. He didn't get fired. Yeah, like, but yeah, but, like but left but on his own terms. Essentially, he and the Mavs chose Luca over over Rick Carlisle. That's kind well, of of course you're going to. Yeah, like, like, to I'm be just, clear, I'm just but, saying. Like, but that's a that's a moderate form of like yeah. young young players being really empowered and and forcing and franchise. So hands. you hit a couple things that we're going to come back to. One is the young players taking over the league, and two is the coaching stuff and like like stability. But going back to the is this a problem? I want to reference our. Uh, or boy Jake Fisher, who we had in the podcast last week, and, and and he was saying that the reason that tanking has become such a popular, part of the reason tanking is so popular, is has become so popular, is because players have so much power and can request that whenever. That if you're a team like the Pelicans who draft Zion Williamson, in order to keep him, you basically also have to hit on another draft pick. You basically have to have 
a Brandon Ingram also on your team, or you need to you need to hit on a couple other draft picks, right? So in the case of Joel Embiid, had they not had they not hit on Ben Simmons, maybe he would have requested out early in his career too, or or you know he got he was injured for two seasons, so I guess he couldn't have. But you understand what I'm saying. So he was saying that the part of the problem with the with this free agency stuff is that, uh, or in, the, in players players having more power in free agency or to go go join super teams and whatever, is that encourages tanking because if you're a small market, you not only need to land your superstar, you need to land other very good caliber players via the draft and with your own picks because you're not going to get anybody in for agency. Um, and otherwise, you're just going to end up with every play, every you know every top 20 player in the league coming off the rookie contract and, and, and leaving to go join the Knicks or the Nets or the LA yeah, teams that, or Chicago. That would, that would break the league. That'd be very, very bad for the yeah. league. It would destroy small markets so, as a whole. So that's so the, the, the counter so the counterbalance for that part is is partially just tanking, right? So that's that's why, you know let's say let's say the, the, the Rockets, for example, had they landed a second round pick last year, right? Or like like if James Harden was still around, maybe he doesn't request a se- uh, trade out of Houston if they landed an absolute stud with a second-round pick while he was still there. Stuff like that, right? And not that Houston's a small market, but it's a smaller market than Brooklyn, I guess. Uh, maybe not even. Houston's a gigantic city, but but like New York City is obviously the city for basketball. Um, yeah. Going back to young players taking over the league, I think it's a really good point because specifically in the Zion Williamson example. John Morant and R.J. Barrett, the, the guy, two guys drafted directly after him, and even DeAndre Hunter, uh, even yeah. though he's been out, all in the playoffs and all making like some kind of run, right? All, yeah. all having impressive seasons, at least. Uh, overachieving. Meanwhile, Zion is sitting at home on his couch. He is. and I think that puts pressure on him. And he thinks, rightfully, that he's better than all those guys, too. And he is. Yeah. And, I, you know, if, if you're Zion Williamson, why aren't you thinking... I'm averaging 27. I'm unstoppable. No one in the league can guard me. I'm one of the most dominant players already at 22 years old or whatever he is. Um, 21, maybe. Why can't me and Brandon Ingram go do what Trey Young is doing? You know? like, And, and the, the, right, the right answer is, like, there's not that much reason. It, it, like, if, if you know, that he had shooters, if he had a coach that, that, that knew what he was doing, you know, like, he could be in the same situation. Which now gets us on to the other thing I wanted to hit on that you brought up was the Rick Carlisle, Luca forcing Rick Carlisle out. The Pelicans' uh, coaching spot is vacant this summer. Yeah. So they're about to hire their third coach in Zion's first three seasons. Um, basically means they have to get this one right or they're kind of screwed. But hear me out, bro. Yeah. Devin Booker. Five years, five coaches. And is he, Monty Williams he, the fifth in the fifth year? He's the fifth in the fifth year. And Monty Williams oh, no, is no, fantastic. No. Last but... last year, he was so the, like he five. was the fifth in the fifth year. So now this is Devin Booker's sixth season, I believe. Um, and, is and, it really? Has he been in the league that long? Uh, he's. I think he was like the 2015 draft, so that makes sense. Yeah. One, two, three, four. Hosts. Yeah. Yeah. So so now five coaches. He yeah like uh, as of last year he had five coaches in five years. Wow. Um, the beacon of instability. Yeah, and you know he still got buckets, and then finally Chris Paul. Chris Paul is basically his seventh coach and his sixth coach in six years because mm-hmm. he's a, he's a, he's a player coach. But 
that's my counter argument, right? Like people are gassing that, and it's true, it's a problem. But I also think that a player can get through it, like Devin Booker, who the Phoenix Suns were chaos for four years, uh, and then they started getting good. Yeah, the the reason that this is all a little bit surprising to me, I guess, is that right. So you you bring a good point there. It's Devin Booker's sixth season. So so we talk about Devin Booker being in the conference finals or whatever, like. Yeah, six years into his career. This is Zion two years into his career. True. When did when did LeBron make the make the finals with the Cavs? It wasn't year one or year two. It was probably year four, you know? Yeah, 2007. And, that was, yeah, that was like year five. So Year six. Like, if you're Zion Williamson, like I, I understand that your your desire to like go win a championship and yeah. and go and go do great things. Cause he's already good enough to go make a playoff push. And in the team around him in the uh, coach around him, whatever else the situation is not. Um, have a little patience, though, bro. Like the Pelicans, like David Griffin knows what he's doing. Um, I think they'll figure it out. But like, yeah, you you can't. I don't know. I don't know. Like that eighty five games in your in your career, you you want to be rushing it. And to his credit, he's not the one that seems to be rushing it. It's his family. But yeah, Z- Zion seems like such just like a down to earth guy. Yeah. But then again, he is all about the basketball. So if something would want to get him out, it wouldn't be like, a, oh, this is a small market. Oh, yeah. the coaching staff sucks. It would be, oh, we're not winning games. I just really want to win. Yeah. So basically all that all this is to say that like, yeah, players requesting out this early is a problem if uh, if it becomes a trend. The, the Pelicans have to get this coaching hire right and have to surround Zion with shooters. Um Young players are taking over the league, right? Like, like that's the trend. Is like these young guys, the next generation is here right now. That's so, that makes me so happy. Even though, by the way, they're like the guys that we're talking about are like one, two, three years more experienced than than Zion Williamson. So like, hold your horses a little bit, but we'll see. Like this, this, this is all of a sudden become of like I, I know Kenny Beecham. Our boy King of the Fourth Quarter described this as the most important offseason in Pelicans franchise history. I yeah, I, I saw that. I disagreed with that take. Like maybe Anthony Davis. The- also, like okay, wait, wait, are we strictly defining New Orleans Pelicans history? Yeah, because you know they did yeah. trade Chris Paul uh, like twice because they 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 yeah, got denied the first true, time yeah. and then they like they wanted to trade him to the Lakers and they traded him to Clifford. I feel like that's more important offseason. Well, or the trade where they traded Anthony Davis. That's also probably more I notable. I kind of think, like, <laughs> even if you do count those, like, this guy has the chance to be the best player in the NBA for 10 years. And you ha- yeah. and then you might be about to lose him. Um, so, I don't know. Like, he has the chance. I'm not saying he's going to. He has a chance to. Um, the last thing we want to hit on, I think, is the first trade of the offseason. And I don't think it can be, an offic- it can be official yet because there's still games being played. But Kemba Walker for Al Horford. Give me your initial thoughts. Dude, I was kind of not a fan of this for the Celtics, which was surprising because yeah. I love Brad Stevens, and I, I thought he would actually be kind of a Pat Riley where you, you can transition from a from a coach to a front office. And one, it was remarkably quick. Like you're yes, legally not yes. you're legally not even allowed to do it. It's but just, but it's more importantly than that, it's like something must have been. I I, I I don't know. Part of the reason I don't think this is terrible for the Celtics, even though I think that the uh, the Thunder kind of fleeced them, is that 
Brad Stevens knows that locker room inside and out. He was there every game. He was coaching on the bench. And if he thinks that Kemba Walker, if he trades Kemba Walker this quickly after getting the, the front office job, clearly he must have thought, like, the first thing I'm doing is trading Kemba Walker. <laughs> That's like, he, true. <laughs> he's been there for, like, what, like, two weeks, bro? And he's like, see you, Kemba. Like, get out of here. Like, so <laughs> the entire season, he just missed me. Like, I want to trade the motherfucker. <laughs> exactly. So, like, he probably knows something that we don't, right? So, so in his mind, Kemba had to get out of there. That's so funny. Cause so, <laughs> the, the, like, the, the memes of Kemba Walker after losses smiling. <laughs> like, after, like, the, the Celtics will get crushed by 20 by, like, the Sixers or whatever. And then after the game, Kemba Walker would be such a happy camper. He'd yeah. be like, ah, oh, I'm in the yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he's been a lot. He's, he got used to on the Hornets. <laughs> yeah, bro. And so, yes. so the, first of all, that's hilarious. Talking about that, <laughs> so, so maybe he knows something we don't. He's like, he's yeah. like the the entire year. He's like, I'm trading this guy once yeah. I get this job. So to talk about the actual trade, on the one hand, I think that the Celtics got the short end of the stick because. They had to trade a pick along with exactly, Kemba Walker yeah. to get Al Horford, where I think that would probably be a fair one to one. Do you agree? Because like Al Horford, yeah. Al Horford, like is he not washed? Like yeah, Al Horford, Al Horford is I, I think is I think is washed. Um, but I think that they're. Yeah. I don't know if you're talking. If we're talking about the locker room, right? Like, yeah, I th- Brad Stevens is clearly a big Al Horford fan. Oh he yeah, totally. for a couple years, right? So like, I'm not surprised that he wants Al Horford back. Um, even if not for like not just for his play, but also for his like veteran leadership, and whatever. But I think, I mean, Al Horford's not the player that he was, you know, four years ago or whatever on the on the Celtics. He got a lot of rest on OKC though. They they benched him. Cause, True, because he was playing too well. True. Um, but but I think his his defense and rebounding is still for real. He still probably got a little bit of shooting touch left in him. Yeah. But but I think I think Thunder fans were were pretty high on the. Uh, like, like I saw some Thunder fans tweeting out like when he got traded like, thanks for thanks for like your leadership and whatever Al Horford. They seem to be pretty high on the like impact he made with the younger guys. Yeah, bro, but it's Aloysius Horford, bro. <laughs> Aloysius. Yeah. Is that his, is that his real name? I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, think, I think it's like Alfred or something. Yeah, that's probably more likely. But and and, and also getting Moses Brown. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's, I, that's I, like I've heard, a I've, heard a lot, I've heard a lot of mixed opinions on Moses Brown. Some people are actually pretty high on him. He had like two games where he scored like twenty and fifteen last year. Well, it's a Sam Presti. Sam Presti pulled some strings this year, and that like he basically just would have miscellaneous players going off on like <laughs> random nights. Right? So so like in fantasy basketball, you just had to keep your eye on the on the Thunder roster because like every week it would be a different guy that would all of a sudden go from that would all of a sudden be putting up like thirty forty fantasy points yeah. like out of nowhere. Um, that's the this, that's the reason I kind of like had Moses Brown on my radar was because like he had a he had like a couple big weeks where I like yeah. picked him up, um, but apparently I, I saw somebody else say on Twitter that that Moses Brown had like a twenty point half against the Celtics at one point yeah. this season. Yeah. Uh, so I think so, so they made well, a, against they the made, Celtics. Yeah, exactly. So they made I think they made a joke that's like not really a joke that that Brad Stevens has been keeping his eye on Moses yeah. Brown since that twenty point half. Um, huh. I guess I I personally think. Getting getting Moses Brown as like a young and up and coming center, but also bringing his mentor and Al Horford over with him, pretty interesting. And I think for for a for a, a Celtics team that that is going to be in the playoffs for a long time with Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, having a guy who's been there, done that, 
in his in his kind of like a rock and anchored on on defense and now Horford I think is a, I think is a net positive. Yeah, but did you really have to give up like the 16th or like that's, 18th that's overall the one, pick? That's the one that's the one the 16th overall pick for for Al Horford who the by the way, the Celtics traded a first round pick to the Thunder to take Al Horford off their hands, and now they're trading another first round pick to the Thunder yeah, to that, get Kemba that, Walker that, off their hands. No, that, was, that, that was the oh, that was the 76ers who traded him. Oh yeah, you're right. You're that was right, a fever right. dream that Al Horford was on the 76ers. I guess he he signed with the 76ers from yeah, the Celtics. For yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, but um, the the other thing here is that the Kemba Walker is getting paid more than Al Horford. So that's that's part of it is like from the Thunder's perspective, you're basically just taking on money. Um, if if you don't if you're not a believer in Kemba's play or Al Horford's play, because Al Horford, by the way, like we haven't really talked about this, was bad in the playoffs. Was like really not good. Um, for who? For the sorry, Kemba Walker. Uh, I meant I said Al Horford. I meant Kemba Walker was bad in the playoffs for the for the Celtics. Um, because yeah. because obviously he's a negative on defense and. He was doing nothing on offense. Dude, he was really an all-star starter last year. Dude, yeah. the NBA is crazy. People fall like him well, and Pascal Siakam like fell off a cliff. Here's the thing: is like Kemba Walker is is a really talented scorer who doesn't make his teammates better. Maybe off the court and with leadership he does, but but in terms of on the court he doesn't pass the ball that well. So he doesn't really make his teammates better with his passing. So it's pretty much just. He's scoring or he's giving you nothing. And he wasn't scoring in the playoffs. He yeah. wasn't defending, he wasn't playmaking, and he wasn't scoring. So at that point, what is that, what is Kemba Walker doing for you? Clearly Smi- Brad Stevens smiling. thought nothing. Yeah, smiling. exactly. Clearly Brad Dude, Stevens thought nothing. Poor Kemba, bro. For, for like six, seven years, it was free Kemba from Charlotte because they were god-awful. Yeah. This year, Charlotte makes the play-in. The Celtics underachieve, and then yep. he gets traded to another rebuilding team. It's nuts. That's rough. Nuts. Just a kid from the Bronx, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think he's from the Bronx. Yeah, so I I like him because he's a New York guy. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the Celtics do at the point guard spot because you know this is they they had Isaiah Thomas, uh, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker. You know, since they traded away <laughs> Isaiah Thomas, it's been a bit of a revolving door, and so the curse. I don't I think see. they're just gonna like put Marcus Smartin at the one now, but oh, like yeah, they, um, they could. That's what he played in college. Yeah, I I mean. I don't know how I know. To that. be honest, like he's not a he's not a terrible playmaker, but like he's not very good. Like yeah. the same thing you could say about like Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart is like, do they make their teammates better with their passing? Not really, but but makes you good defensively. And Jalen Brown made Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both, I guess, um, made leaps this year in their in their playmaking. Um, you would like to see them take over, I guess, some of the the like ball handling and and passing roles too. Um, but I think. I don't know. I think that the Celtics are probably going to have to try to bring in a one this off season, um, even if it's just like a Ricky Rubio type, right? Like he comes to mind because I feel like every every off season Ricky Rubio goes to a new team that's like decent and just like becomes their point guard because yeah. he's decent. <laughs> totally. Um, so like Ricky Rubio equivalent, just like plug and play. Um, I I think that could be interesting for the Celtics. Uh, and then you keep you keep Marcus Smart then then off the bench as your like spark plug defender. Um, who maybe who maybe then takes over the the point guard role in in crunch time? But I think at least you want to start with, uh, with like that veteran one. Last but not least, NBA draft lottery was last night. We're not going to go in depth yeah. until the the draft is actually happening. 
But Detroit gets the number one overall pick. It's reported that Cade Cunningham is only going to try out for them. Well, like, did you see he was on Instagram Live last night, like saying like Detroit, like like he was like he was talking about like the Pistons or whatever. I don't forget what he said. And on a positive or a negative light. And like he was celebrating and being like like Pistons be going to the playoffs. Like I don't I don't oh, know what he said, but oh. but he was like but he was like. I don't know. He was surrounded by all his friends, and all his friends uh, were being like, "Let's go Pistons!" Uh, like go, Detroit go, basketball. Uh, go, go for him. Go yeah. for him. So he 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 and all of his boys think he's going to the Pistons, which yeah, sounds yeah. like he is. Yes. Yeah. So you have Pistons, Rockets, Cavs, Raptors, Magic in, in the top five. Raptors jump up to to number four from number seven. Uh, anything else notable? I mean, Golden State gets the Minnesota pick at number seven. Um, Chicago gets the Orlando pick at eight, um, and then no, the I rest. Think- I think Chicago's pick went oh, to yeah, Orlando. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Orlando gets the Chicago pick at number eight. Everything else is pretty standard. Our Knicks get the 19th pick, and they get Dallas's pick at 21. So maybe we package those, move up. Maybe we move yeah. down or something. As of now, the Knicks snag have four another, picks. Snag another manual quickly. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and yeah. The the Timberwolves, like for as, for as, <laughs> as mediocre as they were this season, don't have their own draft pick. That is really painful. Yeah, it, it really um, is. It really is. They're very poorly managed. <laughs> and and again, we like people keep talking about the Golden State Warriors as being as being deadly for next year. They're adding two lottery players this year. Um, yeah. So although I don't know, man, Clay what, what if Clay they, is hit is look. What he, if they trade it, bro? They I, could, right? I think they should for for a player or to move up. For a player. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they drafted Wiseman last year. I I don't know if you would say that worked out, but. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think he's fine. Um, that's a that's conversation for another episode. Yeah. And for now, uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space Lore Made Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe so you can see more videos. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much. My name is Connor Gielen. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to Luke Jovanovich. Shout out to Kevin Durant's feet being too big. <laughs>